Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depth of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Well, good to see you, and welcome back to uh, What's the Word Downtown. Eric, how you doing? Tremendous. Couldn't be better. Good to be here. We uh, finished up Chapter 3 yesterday in a Packed downtown service. Very much. Uh, and you brought it. I was really excited and I wanted to look into some of this today. Uh, there's a, we started sort of with, uh, I, it's, it's one of those deals where you always talk about the, the uh, spontaneous uh, prayers that just pop out yeah. as, as Paul's writing. He's It's like the Spirit just unleashes this connectivity both to the people he's ministering to and between himself and the Lord who seems to pour uh, praise through him and out for our purpose. Um, Which is a convicting model yeah. that Paul's getting so filled with the truths and the presence and the person of Christ that that's what he ends up really dispensing onto the people that he loves. So it's not mm-hmm. a secondhand smoke kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. sincere, which I think compels them to want to seek after even further and, and more fuller. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, before yeah. we even get to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yes, Ephesians 3, second half of the chapter. But I don't know if anybody who was actually present either in person or watching online happened to realize, but the music that you and the band did, yeah. whether purposefully by us or not, certainly mm-hmm. not by mm-hmm. me, but it seems as though... The music that you guys did was just sort of the first iteration of the sermon. Oh. I mean, it was Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, mm-hmm. but manifested sort of in different songs. There was so much of the yeah. messaging and the lyric that was supportive and preparatory mm-hmm. for what we studied in the text. So how how does that happen? Well, I, you know, I, sometimes I worry, you know, is, is it too heavy handed to speak about the dark night of the soul? You know, I remember, you know, most times on a Sunday morning, everyone's coming, trying to get their family together and get, <laughs> you know, get, uh, get their Sunday best on, you know. And I feel like part of the um, part of the responsibility or the calling that I have is to uh, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted, and part you afflict the comfortable. I'll comfort the afflicted. How about that? That's <laughs> well, we're simpatico. When you, the, in a way, you know, when you afflict the comfortable, uh, you're really disabusing them of a false comfort. Correct. Right. So in doing that, you you realize, hey, we're all afflicted by sin, and we're all afflicted by condemnation, and we're all afflicted by uncertainties. Uh, that beset us on all, in all ways. I mean, we can you know, uh, the best. In, what's the, something about the best laid plans, or what? What is that? Uh, mice and men. Yes, I mean it's sort of like we can lay out our plans, but ultimately God frustrates our plans for His glory and our good. Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, yeah. I know we're trying to get to Ephesians three, and sure. we will. But the whole disabuse people of a false comfort, mm-hmm. man, that is not a popular presentation. Mm-hmm. So I. Mm-hmm. probably unnecessarily, it reminds me immediately of, which I can't believe it's now this old, the movie The Matrix, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where there's a disabusing of a false comfort. Mm-hmm. It seems like the construct around you is wonderful and there's some struggles with it, but 
I'm really gonna waking let, up. I'm is, gonna let you become alive, a Neo or yeah, the One. The One. Uh, but uh, in becoming alive, you're going to open yourself up to vulnerabilities you never knew existed, Bingo. but were always present. Always present, but it's for the first time really coming alive. And when we're talking about the word being espoused through a man who's been flogged as many times as he is in yeah. chains, and yet he's still praying. He, it's for this reason I bow the knee yeah. uh, to our Lord on behalf of you. I mean, you're talking about a man who is uh, afflicted and comforted, right? right. Because that's hap those things are happening simultaneously right. in the heart of an awake believer, yeah. right? That I, I've been yeah. disabused of false comforts, but I'm but in, in being disabused, I've entered into the Sermon on the Mount where I am you know, uh, poor in spirit, but at the same time, I'm blessed. Right. Uh, I am mourning. I am thirsting and hungering for righteousness. And at the same time, I'm blessed because all that I, in discovering my need, I discover the, the, the capacity for God expanding uh, to meet my need. That's it. Yeah. So the, the, when Paul talks about that, the inner man, the inner person is strengthened. It is that expansion and the capacity to actually like a vessel, like a conveyance to hold that enormity, while the exteriors have a tendency to sort of just, in some mm -hmm. cases, rot off and mm -hmm. fall away. Mm -hmm. It's that internal, the, the soul and the spirit that is thickening, that is galvanizing. Well, yeah, and I feel like, in, you know, back to how when I, bring, when I bring some songs, especially when they're songs of a personal nature, yeah. I'm thinking of myself as chief sinner, Right. And dialing into my own sinful self, my own blind self, that part of me that would uh, give the Heisman to God, that would resist uh, holiness, all of those things. I mean, Megan called me out and was beautiful yesterday. She, I said, As she can. I guess she you can. Know. She has the license. But I said something about being a victim of sin. And she said, victim? <laughs> right? And, and it, 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 it allowed me to talk through Romans, the end of Romans 7, uh, where the thing that I don't want to do, I keep on doing, and the thing yeah. that I want to do, I don't do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. So there's a sense of like my sinner self is victimizing my saint continually, bringing condemnation, yeah. uh, revealing my weakness and my ineptitude. Uh, but at the same time, in leading the people to, by acknowledging my own sin, uh, I, I hope, I'd like to believe that we can, we're learning something of our affliction so that we might be more available to the comfort that God gives without end. So that's why you're willing to be publicly, in a sense, transparent, vulnerable, and weak, mm -hmm. and to lead, like we say all the time, to lead with your left hand, as it mm -hmm. were, mm -hmm. because it's non dominant. Non dominant. Except if you're a lefty, which we're not really talking to you. There's grace for that too. <laughs> Listen, it's a, yeah. it's a big tent. But the, didn't Martin Luther talked about the left hand of God? Yep. Right? Yep. The, the sense of uh, God not coming uh, to uh, show his power but God coming to give up his power. Which is what we expect. Which, which counterintuitively shows is, us his power. Which is why when Paul will say in our passage that we would know the height, breadth, width, and depth of his love, mm. not just his, his force to fix us, not just his you know, anger and disappointment in us, but that we would actually know his love. And in the sense of like, now we're walking around containers for the Holy Spirit. I can't 
no matter how much sin surrounds me, no matter how much sin I find within me, Eric, I can't get away from the idea that God is love. Yeah. And he has shown us that by with Christ, right? So, so no matter where I go, right, left, high, low, exactly. fur, further, nearer, wherever that is, I am uh, surrounded by and filled with a sense of his presence that cannot, will not leave me, and I can't flee from it. So you're getting the glimpse that I think Paul wants for all of his readers, what we as as pastors and leaders and husbands and, mm-hmm. and fathers, mm-hmm. what we want most for people, what Paul wanted most for people was to catch a glimpse of that and for it to be so transformative that Paul is sort of saying, listen, it's too good to be true, but what if it's still true? I mean, and that's the gospel. It's not just, hey, man, this is some decent news it's better than the alternative no it's it's way too good to be true unless it's also true what if and so when paul talks about i want you to comprehend i want you to have the strength to actually fathom Hmm. the unfathomable why does it take strength because fathom the unfathomable because our depravity has such a gravity we have a tendency to settle and to go that's that's too too much i'm unworthy i'm not good enough I've got other things to do. I'll settle. I'll settle. I'll settle. We're settlers by default because of our sin nature. And Paul says, no, I want you to be strengthened to continually push into the expanse that is the enormity of the goodness and the love of God. Because partly, if we do that, it will irradiate some of the dark corners that we don't want to let go of. That was some of the strongest language you talked about. I, I and, and I, you, you and I have spoken a lot. I, I tend to think about uh, as a word picture, if you will, an analogy. Uh, maybe it's wrong, but I, I tend to think about uh, God opening up my head and then Christ spelunkering down with, <laughs> with spelunkering down within me with His light, and and looking around within me to expose those dark corners of selfishness, those dark corners of pride, those dark corners that are even lost But not me. like this. No, no, no. He's not but he's shining that. a light yeah. indiscriminately, and that light itself is a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace to learn the bad news so that right. you can savor the good news. Yeah. And that's what we really want. And that's, to be disabused of that comfort, of that yes. false comfort. That's yes. what he's doing. Right. So he says here, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Right. And when you're talking to a large group of people about an inner being, it's interesting, right? Because you're talking to uh, so many disparate experiences, right. so many disparate circumstances, upbringings, uh, you know, uh, socioeconomic, all sorts of different, but, 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 but everyone has a still small voice. Right. Everyone has, uh, you know, you come in this world alone, you go out of this world alone. And even though we people our lives with the, the love of family and friends and all of that, I mean, there is a there is a place, an inward place that only God speaks to. Sure. And that only God has the capacity to bring to life. And he's the only being that can directly implant a thought or an idea mm. or a notion, mm. dare I say a belief, mm that is unadulterated and pure. When you and I converse and have a conversation, we're exchanging ideas, but there's a message transmission, there's a message reception. 
But God, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, can actually affect and influence with purity and power our inner being. Now, this is not, I'm not, I'm not a Gnostic idea. We're not no. saying, hey, there's there's the real me zipped up in a meat suit. No, 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 no. Mm. We, we are a, a person that is comprised of, of two uh, components, we might say, mm. material and immaterial, mm. but that God speaks directly. And so Paul says, I want that vessel that is your inner man, I want it to be stretched and increased because he knows that it is the internal inside out that is actually transformative, not bludgeoning ourselves and one another mm -hmm. with law and rule and stricture mm -hmm. and moralism and behaviorism. Because mm -hmm. I think, look, man, and we talk about this all the time, mm -hmm. I think a whole lot of people in our context and our culture have assumed that what we're doing as ministry and church is about hammering people with rule and law. And so it's lifeless. In fact, it's death. It's mm -hmm. not good news. Paul's going, no, I want you to just really gather and embrace the glory and the love of God. I tend to use the language of invitation, not in the way it's like, right. will you choose? But it's like we live in the Christmas morning, that every day is an opportunity to explore the gift that brings us to life yeah. and open it up again and revel in it again and look at it in new ways and allow the, the, the pain of your life uh, to be reinterpreted through the savoring of the gift that is God's comfort yeah. in, the midst of, in the midst of all of, all of the things that, that beset us. He says here, so that Christ may dwell mm. in your hearts through faith, that, that by faith Christ enters my heart. That, that by faith, uh, Christ entered my heart then and he won't leave. He doesn't leave, does he? Does I mean, <laughs> when, I have, when I have received Christ, the, the mystery of faith made known to me, I, I can't get away from it. I mean, I'm, I'm taking up something we, like a... But we do, right? Well, we, I think we get away from it functionally. We right. get away from it uh, conceptually. Right. We let... Uh, what it, Piper would talk about that, that, that sin is like mud on the windshield of your... Like you can't see Jesus. You're not experiencing That's Jesus it. because there's something blocking you. But it doesn't actually... I think that the announcement of the gospel is no matter how far you feel from God, you're not. Right. You're not. And I think that's what... That's something like... What, what Paul is praying that these people would see. That, mm. that you can't get away from the God of love. You can resist, but, but, but the offer of his grace stands even, even in and over and above your resistance. Yeah. Then the resistance is always a self-removal mm. from life and abundance. And why? Why do I resist? Because we don't have the strength sometimes in... in this world wears, wears us out, man. It's a relentless bombarding. It's, and so, <laughs> we say this all the time. We're thinking thinkers, yes. We're feeling feelers, yes. We're loving lovers, yes. Yeah. But sometimes, man, we're just bombarded and sort of just smashed from both sides into a mundane mediocrity yeah. that we just we just get through. Man, it's, yeah. it's Monday. I yeah. just got to get through to... Wednesday. I just got to get through to Friday. This world system has a tendency to bombard us. And so I mean, Paul look, says, I, I want you to be strengthened. I know this is going to maybe make, put you uh, ill at ease if I say this, but I'm going to. <laughs> I, I love my wife. I love her to death. And there have been times of, in, of intense romance. 
And then there are times when we, in the same bed, turn our back to one another and we experience the absence of intimacy. Yeah. And that seems to me that marriage is oftentimes a picture. Yeah. We're no less married. We're, we're no married. less one. But we find, because we get beat down, because we run out, because we become depleted uh, by external forces or internal urges, whatever those things are, we, we find ourselves, you know, but that... but. but Reconciliation is not like we have to wait as long as we've been uh, cold. We have to wait to warm back up. Man, reconciliation can happen in a moment. And you don't have to go get remarried. Right. You don't have to go through the courtship and the engagement process, mm-hmm. any of that stuff. You don't even have to plan a ceremony. It's the, And you don't have to get down to the bottom of who's wrong or who's right. No, man. We say this all the time. <sighs> hey, can we just claim grace on this? Yes. Can I just... Which seems yeah. unfair and it sort of violates. That's too easy, man. It's too easy. That's yeah. not okay. No, but we, with with our spouses, with our kids, with our friends, with Jesus, we go, listen, I, this is who I am. And what illusion did I have that I was any better than this? And in, I'm going to claim grace. And, and in claiming grace, what have you done? You have expanded the width, breadth, depth, Absolutely. length. Because it's too good to be true. Wait, Christ went even that far? Right. You see what I'm saying? That, good that there is be. a covering. There is yeah. a covering of grace uh, that, the, uh, and, and we never will stop preaching this, you and I. No. Because well, we'll we never not. stop needing to remember, remember, right. to tie back to, or to be tied back to the con- concept that religion is dead. That's religion to tie back. We don't need to tie back. We need to understand how tethered we are. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so this is a complete departure, but as we're having this conversation, sure. I'm reminded of this great old story of a missionary to Molokai in Hawaii. Okay. But you would think, oh, poor guy, gosh, I'm I'd be love on to that. be out. Sign yeah. me up. Except that Molokai, back in the mid-20th century, was the leper colony. Everybody on oh. Molokai was obviously terminally ill with leprosy before mm-hmm. they figured out how to really treat it and, and handle it. And so this missionary goes there, and he's understandably super off-put by all these lepers and it's it's a gruesome grisly sort of environment and he would speak at them and he would try to speak to them and he would even sort of try to involve himself and try to nurture them but it was when he contracted leprosy that he began to speak to them and say and now we lepers Mm. we have hope together that the group of people this totally desperate, in a sense, physically hopeless people, they began to actually commune and to have joy. And it became like this strange thing of that's the happiest people on on earth is this leper colony on Molokai because it was this we together. It We have no hope in the flesh, literally, but look what we have to look forward to. And there was joy, there was prosperity, there was community. Mm. And so in a lot of ways, when we study something like Ephesians, we're kind of coming together. When you lead worship, we're saying, hey, we lepers. Well, and, you know. You, who are you, gruesome and, and yet loved. In that, in, that, uh, in that story, you have a people who received an outsider who entered into their suffering. That's it. And the wounded healer, Henri uh, Nouwen, yeah. always talks about who can go into a burning house to save a child without risking being burnt himself. Yeah. And there is a sense of those who are strengthened in their inner being. Mm. can enter into another suffering. And that's what the world needs. Yeah. That's what the world needs. Yeah.
That's the word. Uh, may have strength to comprehend what are the, with all the saints. That is, in your comprehension, uh, you're entering into a collective comprehension. Mm-hmm. A collective comprehension. That is, it's not for you alone. Right. But it is for all the saints to share in common because there's going to come times where I need you to lift me up and you need me to lift you up. And rebuke me. Same. Yeah. You can't ever rebuke me. But other than that. I've <laughs> already exceeded quota for the week. <laughs> and to know, know that you know that you know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, isn't it funny that he says to know the love of Christ Which that is... surpasses knowledge? Is he? Tra- is this a Zen riddle here? What is he saying? <laughs> He's saying something marvelous because yeah. the, the punchline then is in verses 20, 21, where I want you to know the unknowable. You can't, but to him who is able to do far more and abundantly above, and it's just above and above and above. And you think it's good, it's gooder. You think it's good, it's gooder because he can do this. He's doing a thing above and beyond what we can comprehend. Mm. And so literally for all eternity, we continue to grow in our strength, our capacity to understand and experience him. We, we never, ever plateau and go, well, there we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Mm-hmm. They should write a song about that. Mm-hmm. We'll know less days to sing his praise than when we first begun because we'll continue to grow and we'll just want to mm-hmm. all the more for mm-hmm. all eternity. It just gets bigger. We in the West have a fallen false idea that perfect is finite. It isn't. That's a distinctly Greek notion. The rest of the world doesn't think that perfect is it. It gets perfecter and perfecter and perfecter and perfecter. Now Which that sounds like a, a, a consciousness expansion. That is to say, what you thought was perfect, the standard's even higher. That's right. And now your consciousness ha- is able to comprehend yeah. a little more perfecter. Yes. And then, you know, and th- that, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, sign me up. I, I keep thinking about, and I, I keep, you know, even as you as you preached this yesterday, I'm not. This is truth. This is theoretical. Paul is teaching what Jesus did. Yeah. Right. I, but I keep wanting to go back to a story. You know how I always say, "Give him Jesus." <laughs> right. Where Where is Jesus in this? Where is a story that we can see ourselves inside of? And I can't help but think that you know, most of us Gentiles grafted in, most of us in East Texas around here. Maybe maybe there's some uh, perfected Jews. Is that what they call? Do I need to be careful. Completed. I yeah. see. Uh, but but I'm thinking of the one who who entered into the parable. It's not right to to feed the feed the dogs. Uh, oh, throw the, crumbs to the dogs. Throw crumbs to the dog. Well, she was a, she was a Gentile, Canaanite woman. Yeah, the Canaanite woman who answered Jesus within his own parable, and her faith seems to shift Jesus's. Ooh, that's a good question. It, it seems to shift Jesus's reaction to her because she she shows such faith that. You know, Bruner, I have to say, Bruner, it says that it, it seems to not enlighten Jesus, but Jesus begins to recognize something. And and I know that we've looked at in chapter two here where Paul is saying, look, the mystery of faith is that those who were outside are now in. Right. And I wonder if Paul doesn't see even in Jesus's saying, because he calls her a house dog, which is a, which is a, actually it's a term of endearment. Because it, we're not talking about the dirty dog that's got one leg that's named Lucky that walks the streets looking for something <laughs> right, to eat. Right. We're talking about a, a, a pet, an affection, someone that may not 
seem like they have a seat at the table, but they're welcomed into the house. And she feels that, that there's enough crumbs to feed her eternally. But she doesn't have an overestimation <clears throat> of her... Um, Deservedness? Yeah. I mean, but she, she does have an overestimation, not an overestimation, but a correct estimation of his provision. Correct. Correct. And so I think all those things are in Paul's mind. I think however much time Paul gets with Jesus mm -hmm. in his equipping and his preparation... I think a lot of that stuff is communicated and conveyed to Paul so that he's blown away. And so we get a lot of Paul's, the big word, epistolary writings. Epistolary writings. Okay. Where he's instructing and educating and equipping and enabling and enlightening and all these things. But I have no doubt that it's coming from his personal time with Jesus, whether it's sitting in the deserts of Arabia for all those years or maybe when he's in the third heaven after he's almost killed in Iconium in his first journey. I don't know. But all of this is coming from his experience with Jesus. It's not abstract and merely theoretical. And it's he doesn't have the experience with Jesus killing uh, Christians. He has right. the experience with Jesus uh, suffering. His suffering for yeah. Christ brings him into a deeper intimacy sure. and a deeper consciousness of the offer of God to participate with us through the tribulation, through a tribulation, through suffering, not his removal of suffering. That's always the snag that we have a tendency to think, well, if God is as good as this seems to indicate, why do I still have suffering? Mm -hmm. We lepers. Mm -hmm. We lepers. You have suffering because God is seeking to and expand your consciousness of his presence. And to remove all that which is actually not for our good. And sometimes that hurts. We said it on Sunday. The word is the chisel and the spirit is the hammer. And it, it's a sharp two-edged sword and all of these things. And Corinthians, the, the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. All those things. God is re-imaging mm -hmm. us. That redemptive recreation mm -hmm. that happens through the strengthening of the inner person to comprehend the enormity and the expanse of who God is, how much he loves us. And his comprehension is different than knowledge, isn't it? I mean, like, I, I, there's part of knowledge. And I also wonder if because these because he's speaking to a Greek people who uh, knowledge is God, right? Yeah. And when he talks to the Romans, doesn't he speak a lot more about glory? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the and glory honor, of Rome. And honor. You yeah. know, whereas to the Ephesians, he's speaking more about knowledge. But he, even though he's saying, I pray that you have the knowledge... Uh, he, at the same time, is saying, this is a knowledge that surpasses your to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Yeah. Okay? So whatever you found in Diana, it's, oh, it's, yeah. your, it's your tiny little understanding of the perfect. Right. Right. But the, so to lay uh, hold of it, to, to put your hands on it, but that's going to require some strength. It's going to require mm -hmm. some some worth it to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Just like we talked about again with our spouses. There are some times when, you know what, I'm just weary, fatigued. Mm -hmm. But the worth itness that she is compels me to act. Mm -hmm. That requires some strength. And that's, I think, what Paul's asking for. Somebody said the other day to me, it was a hairstyle. She was cutting my hair and she said, you know, I was going to do this thing. I don't remember what it was. She, I was going to do this thing, but I just didn't have the want. Right. And I said, oh, that's great. I've yeah. never heard anybody speak about not possessing the want. That's good. And I think, well, 
how do you, how do a people discover the want? Mm-hmm. But by but by discovering or coming into some sort of consciousness about um, something that lacks, something, some place or some element or some uh, sphere of their life where they are experiencing real lack. And, and yeah. I, wonder if, I wonder if those spaces in our life where we experience lack are not simply the, the setup punch uh, by God to bowl us over with his provision. Mm. And, and, and as he uh, stokes the flame of the want for him, that does exist inside of every human being, sure. but is misplaced in countless ways right. to, our, to our own uh, detriment. It's the old St. Augustine line. He's made us for himself, and we're restless until we find ourselves in him. Mm. So like what another writer mm. said is that all of us come into this world with a holy discontent. And we try to salve it with every bomb less worthy, mm-hmm. but we're made for him. And so sometimes we are the experiencers of circumstances that bring that to our attention. And that's a grace. Final thing. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Again, he's kind of, I mean, the think here. Yeah. He's, he's, he's hammering on the Ephesians and their mm-hmm. uh, predilection for uh, knowledge and yep. thinking. You can't think yourself out of this uh, out of this uh, uh, problem, according to the power at work within us. Now, this is the really the kind of the last place I want to land. The power at work within us is the love of God mm-hmm. in Christ. No doubt. Even though the love of God on Good Friday looked like powerlessness. Ooh, right. Yeah. The power of the power of God within us is the comprehension uh, that to love looks like giving up power. Hmm. Right? And so we receive Christ who gave up power that we would have the consciousness of his love right. within us always to tap into. Because Ooh. love is seeking volitionally actually the highest good of the other and it invariably comes at a cost to you of course but a, but it's worth but, it but it's worth it and him who has uh the heart of Christ within him knows that uh there's there's enough to go around That's right. and not only enough to go around he is able to do far more than and it's a boundless source yeah. the more i give away the more i surrender and yield of myself mm-hmm. what i find is I'm actually filled more with his heart, love, affection, view of others. Mm. And I'm actually filled more, the fullness of the measure of God. Full filled, filled full. Yes, because I'm actually dispensing, distributing, not because I'm Captain Awesome. Clearly, I'm more like the leper. But Mm. the more I love and and give away, the more I'm creating this void that the Son of God himself fills. Mm. That's fills life. without end. That's life and life abundant. Right so come back and check out some more of that uh, Sunday at 10 a.m. Don't miss it. We're going to get into chapter four, which is it's a, it's, we're, we're now it's we've a, finished one piece. Yeah. And it's a pivotal transition yeah. to there has been no command, no directive at all thus far. Finally, now we get into the, the second half, which we're going to transition from the what 
now to the so what and now what, mm -hmm. which is fun. That's what and, and, very and practically. The first three have to be in place. Absolutely. We have to we have to have the heart in place before we start focusing on the hands. No doubt about it. Word. That's the word downtown. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. God, God bless. bless.